I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 97, coming to you live this week. Thank you all for stopping by. As always, Zach Polidor here, joined with my partner in crime, Zach Vanuenzi, here to break down the week that was. Vanzi, it's, uh, we're filming here, or filming, recording here uh, Wednesday evening. The draft lot- NBA draft lottery was last night. Your Pistons end up with the fifth pick. First of all, how are you in general? How do you feel about the Pistons spot in Jaffa? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's been a tiring day here in uh, southeastern Michigan. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm pulling it together for this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very upsetting. I think the Pistons, they got Cade Cunningham, and it just really felt like, hey, they need one more piece. Uh, and they just didn't get the luck. I mean, at some point, Detroit sports, you know, I'm lumping Eastern Michigan in with that. At some point, Detroit sports uh, has to get some luck, um, and it just hasn't happened. But you know what? And, and I know this is a Mac podcast. So I should say, hey, Ryan Rollins. But I am totally on the Jaden Ivy to Detroit bandwagon. I think he is Ja Morant, um, you know, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little more durable. And uh, I would love that for my Pistons. Yeah, that would be a that that would be a heck of a pickup there. I also um a b- big Jaden Ivy fan. Having watched a lot of him, uh, you know, watched a lot of Big Ten basketball. Got to see him lot this past year at Purdue. Um, yeah, and and to your first point about the whole luck thing, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not, Vanzi, but can we just get rid of the lottery? Can we do, you know, we're, you know, worst to best draft order. It works just fine in the NFL. I don't know why the NBA has feels the need to have a lottery like this. I guess I can understand the argument of, you know, wanting to prevent tanking, but if that's your in, if that's what you want to do, it's not working. Teams still tank. You know what I mean? So like, I don't, I don't understand the whole lottery thing. It, It doesn't make much sense to me. And now baseball has a lottery coming into play with the new CBA mm-hmm. and look at how much that stopped the, the Cincinnati Reds and the Oakland athletics, you know, from selling <laughs> yeah. off everybody and their grandma. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Tanking still happens. I mean, ask Brian Flores, you know, yeah, um, yeah, you know, I mean, in the NFL, it happens, you know, and, and it's just, it's going to be there. It's a new way of life. I think for some of these sports franchises. Yeah, certainly is. So anyway, the uh, the NBA draft coming up here is, at the beginning of June, we will uh, we're going to talk a little NBA draft related to the Mac here in a couple of minutes. But before we get to that, Banzi, uh, some other stuff to cover, some stuff we wanted to follow up on from last week. First off, uh, the main story here tonight, we talked last week about the upcoming Mac softball tournament that happened this past weekend, uh, Miami, Bowling Green, Central Michigan, and Ohio, the four teams that qualified for the MAC postseason this year. And uh, Vanzi, I don't think 
in too surprising of a result, the Miami Redhawks did end up capturing the Mid-American Conference uh, Championship this past weekend on Saturday. Knocked off Bowling Green 11 to nothing in the championship game. Hit six home runs in that game, did the Redhawks. It wasn't an easy, an easy path for them to get there. And their semifinal victory uh, on, uh, on Friday uh, had to come from behind. Had a walk-off 2-1 to one victory in eight innings over Central Michigan. But uh, but Vansy, we talked about it last week and even the, the week before the, the you know the first time we, we brought softball into the conversation here. Miami, clearly the best team, head and shoulders above the rest of the conference in the MAC this year. And I because of that, I don't think this is too uh, too much of a surprise here. But nonetheless, still a great accomplishment for the Red Hawks, capping off a great season with uh, with the conference championship. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, I think anytime that you're in a conference championship, uh, it's very, you know, noteworthy. And then to win the conference championship, I mean, it was 11 nothing, five inning mercy rule victory. That's, yeah. you know, very rare, I would imagine, for most conference championships. Uh, Brianna Pratt um, picked up the win, no runs, one hit. You know, I know it's only over five innings, but that's impressive. Um, you know, I mean, it. it this is how championships really should work out. You know, I know the upsets are exciting and things of that nature, but Miami uh, University there, they were the class of Mac softball the whole season long. Um, Bowling Green was, you know, it's probably the second best team, I would say for, you know, for the most part, some debate there, but this is how it should work out. The, the best team should get to the final. The best team should win it. And that's what you see right there, you know, and, and nobody can argue, um, you know, and it's, it's, you just can't argue it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I talked last week on this podcast, my, my, my hot take, I felt like Bowling Green was going to beat Miami and, and, and win, uh, win the conference championship because of that strong pitching staff that they have. Obviously that did not play out in practice. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, 11 home run or 11 runs, uh, for the Red Hawks, 10 run rule, the Falcons in the championship game, six home runs there. So a very, very impressive performance from the Red Hawks. They finished the season 39 and 15 overall, 24 and 5 in the MAC heading into the conference tournament. So they um have have certainly been the best team in the conference all year. A well-deserved conference championship. And Vansy, their reward for that is that they are heading to uh the NCAA tournament now. So the uh, NCAA softball tournament kicks off uh, this week on Friday. So if you're listening to this uh, when it's released, uh, the game is probably set to getting set to kick off, or uh, you know, first pitch is probably getting set to happen right now, or may have already just happened. But the uh, the Redhawks heading to the Blacksburg Regional, hosted by obviously Virginia Tech there in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech, the one seed in the region. Kentucky, the two. Miami, the three. St. Francis, PA. The Red Flash is coming in as the four seed. Uh, Miami will open up play Friday afternoon at 4.30, taking on the two-seed uh, Kentucky. Uh, this is Miami's third consecutive uh, uh, postseason uh, appearance in tw- going back to 2019. Obviously, there was no uh, uh, NCAA tournament in 2020. But um, anyway, this is their, uh, this is their uh, sixth NCAA tournament appearance in uh, in, in, in uh in in program history, taking on uh, Kentucky out of the SEC on on Friday. Now, Vansy, any time as a MAC school, I don't care what sport it is, I don't care what's the setting, I don't care what what you know what school you are, you get the chance to take on an SEC program. That's a chance that you got to relish. Now, obviously, 
and this, you know, this, the, the, the format here in softball set up very similar to baseball, right? Where there's a round robin here. So it's not as if, if Miami loses to Kentucky on Friday, their season is not over. They will get at least one more game, but still you get a chance to take on a team out of the big, bad SEC. You have to think that this is a, this is a, uh, an opportunity that the Red Hawks are going to be ready for. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm a scholar on uh, collegiate softball. I mean, the university that I went to, unfortunately cut the sport, um, you know, which which is very disappointing, but I will say this, just kind of looking at everything, you know, if you got Brianna Pratt going in the the NCAA tournament, it's going to be hard to pick against Miami, whoever they're going against. So I'm real curious to see how this team stacks up against a Kentucky team. uh, Like you said, out of the sec, um, I think, you know, th- this could be a potential upset, um, you know, and maybe they could string together a couple of, of uh, wins to make a run. I don't I don't know about you, but here where I'm at uh, is just south of Ann Arbor. So Michigan softball, not to get off track, but they draw tremendously, tremendously well. And uh, it's something where, you know, I take a decent amount of interest in you, especially when it comes to the postseason. I don't know if you, if you watch it on ESPNU or ESPN Ocho or whatever, you know, they have it on coming yeah. and going, but man, I just love, I mean, postseason baseball, but also postseason softball, these women get their chance in the spotlight, um, high energy games and there's seven innings. So you're not sitting down for three, four hours. You're sitting down for, you know, probably two hours and some exciting action. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. It is. They, they are much more, I'm not going to say much more, but they are more compact than a baseball game. And especially you mentioned, you know, the postseason setting and, and kind of tuning in for that. This is an opportunity for everybody to get a chance to see this Miami team. They're, they are. I, I think that the, the, the thing that comes to my mind when I think about this team is, is balance. Right. You might, you mentioned Brianna Pratt. She was the Mac tournament MVP. So when you talk about pitching on this team, you got Brianna Pratt 18 and four this season as a starter right behind her in the, in the, in the two spot there in the pitching rotation, you got Courtney Veerstra who was 17 and nine this year and also has over a thousand career strikeouts. Now on the other side of the fence on offense, you got uh, Carly Spade and, uh, and Courtney uh, Veerstra, Courtney Veerstra um, who uh, rank one, two all time, in home runs at Miami spade hit the hit, set the single season Mac record uh, on Saturday, actually in the Mac championship game, she hit her 27th home run of the season. No, uh, no red Hawk has ever topped that. So you got power on in the lineup, you got power in the circle, uh, which I believe is the term they use in softball, not on the mound. It's in the circle in softball. And uh, so because of that, uh, without even again, I'm not going to pretend to have watched any Kentucky softball games this year, but I feel as if given the Red Hawks track record this year, I feel like they have a good a shot as anybody to go in here and win a couple games and maybe surprise some folks. What do you think, Vanzi? Yeah, I, I definitely think I mean, as far you know, now, you know, I definitely think when you look at the team, I think the talent is there. Um, I, I don't know enough about Kentucky, but I do think uh, Miami looks like a very talented um, squad. Um, you know, and, and I think that that is what you want is you want that depth. You want that balance when you're trying to go for an upset, uh, this time of the year. Um, I do want to point out that I just pulled it up. Um, it looks like that regional, um, the games will be on ESPN plus. So if you're trying okay. to catch those games, um, four 30 on Friday against Kentucky, uh, that's on ESPN plus for the Miami Redhawks. 
Good stuff. And, you know, one, one, not to get off subject here, but one thing to just plug real quick is, you know, I, when they first came out with the ESPN plus platform, I was, I was quite annoyed because to me, it was just like, this is one more thing I have to pay for. But I have to say now that I do pay for it, it's like, you know, whatever, five ninety nine a month, it's not super expensive. They have a ton of content on there. And I mean, even specific to the Mac, you can go on there and they have, uh, you know, they have, all the old Mac football games, Mac basketball games, anything Mac related that has aired on ESPN, you can go back on there and watch. So if you're if you're thinking about, oh, I want to watch this game on Friday, I don't know if I want to pay the money for ESPN Plus. So I promise you, if you like the Mac, there's a ton of content there. It is worth the you know the couple dollars a month that they charge. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, it's so, cheaper than your morning coffee at uh, at Starbucks. That's that right. That's right. You get the, you get the venti with a couple pumps of you know flavor in there. Whatever you're looking at, a six dollar coffee. Yeah, put that towards ESPN every month. Skip the coffee for one day. There you go. It pays for itself. That's give it. me the give me the grande Mac. You know. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, so anyway, that'll be a uh, Friday, four 30 Miami starts their postseason journey. They take on, uh, Kentucky down there in Blacksburg. So we'll give you a little recap next week of how the, uh, the Falcons acquit themselves next week. We do have one other team from the Mac in the postseason that are still playing though. And that is Bowling green who Miami defeated in the championship game. The Falcons invited to the national invitational softball championship, the NISC taking place out in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is a 12 team double elimination tournament uh, starts on Friday, same day as the uh, the same day as uh, as as the NCAA tournament where Miami will be playing. So this is only the the sixth year of this tournament. It's been uh, it's been uh, it started back in 2017 and actually missed a couple years because of the uh, because of the pandemic, obviously. So Bowling Green going to come in here again, 12 team tournament. They're going to come in as the nine seed, they will take on Stephen F. Austin, the eight, nine matchup on Friday morning, 8 30 AM mountain time local there in Fort Collins An early wake up call for the Falcons on Friday. But Vansy again, not going to sit here and pretend to know a ton about all these other teams in this, in this uh, tournament, you got the top four seeds, uh, Virginia Baylor, UNLV and central Arkansas. And then there's some other, we, we can run through the rest of the teams here, but again, for Vansy for a team like Bowling Green, a great season fell short in the, in the conference championship game, you get a chance to extend your season, play a couple additional games. You can't feel bad about that. Yeah. I, uh, I got to start off by saying I had no idea this tournament was a thing. So that's great to see. I mean, I think bring it on for, uh, for more sports. I know it's very well publicized in uh, college basketball, the NIT and all the, the different uh, tournaments, but um, I would like to see more, you know, national invitational tournaments, things like this for different sports, especially the women's sports. So they can get uh, more opportunities to showcase themselves. So this is very great um, to see and, uh, you know, great for Bowling Green, a chance to extend her season and to travel a little bit and in, in the, the play for a trophy. I mean, that's what really these schools are doing is they're getting the opportunity to play for a trophy. BGSU, the second best uh, Mac softball team throughout most of the season, um, won a 10 inning, uh, you know, the affair in the, in, in the Mac tournament. Um, they're very deserving of this opportunity. And uh, I think they have, you know, we, we followed their pitching pretty much uh, here lately. And I think they have the, the talent, um, you know, not knowing really anything about these other teams, except for when you look at the graphic, um, four of them have the color purple in their logo. So that's really, <laughs> that's, that's shocking. You don't see that too much. 
Um, we need more purple in the Mac, but that's neither here nor there. But I, I do think Bowling Green has the depth and the pitching uh, to maybe, you know, kind of come away with some surprises here. Um, one thing I kind of wonder when you're looking at Bowling Green and you're looking at Miami of Ohio or Miami University, uh, as they like to be called, one thing that I wonder is, are we going to find out just how strong Mac softball is? I mean, yeah. you know, these, we, we say both of these are very good teams, but we really don't know too much about it because it's been against other Mac schools in the, the conference uh you know, you can say it didn't have a banner year outside of really Miami University and uh, somewhat Bowling Green. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think this is why I love these other tournaments in every sport, because it gives us a chance to see Mac teams going up against teams outside of the conference that we wouldn't get them to see, uh, get to see them play regularly. And I think Bowling Green, you know, they, they got as good a chance as anybody in this tournament. Um, again, seeded ninth out of the 12 teams here. So let me run down through the other participants here. As I mentioned, the one seed, Virginia, Baylor comes in at number two, UNLV at three, and Central Arkansas at four, uh, which is interesting. You got George Washington as the five seed, North Alabama at six, Rutgers at seven, Stephen F. Austin at eight, both the Falcons of Bowling Green at nine, uh, UC San Diego at 10, Tarleton State at 11 and Kansas at 12. Now to be eligible for this tournament, you had to have an RPI in the national top 100 or uh, have a winning record if its RPI was was greater than 100. So obviously all these teams here in the top 100, in the top third of, uh, of softball programs. So we'll see how the, the, the Falcons are able to, uh, to acquit themselves here. Again, 8.30 a.m. Mountain. So what would that be? 10.30 Eastern on Friday. So if you're looking for some uh, softball to watch with your morning coffee on Friday, get your day going. See if you can find a stream here of uh, Bowling Green taking on the Lumberjacks out there in Fort Collins. Uh, or maybe, or maybe that can be the day you skip your morning coffee and, and get the ESPN pass. You know, it all, it all comes together. There, there it is. It all comes full circle there. If Anzi just tied it up and put a bow on it for you folks. So um, anyway, also uh, something else we talked about last week, Vanzi, women's lacrosse, central Michigan. Uh, you know, when we talked last week, they had just uh, captured their first Mac championship. They were heading to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. Their, uh, their reward was taken on the number four seed, Northwestern, uh, a, a, a blue blood program in women's lacrosse, as we uh, talked about last week. And the Wildcats did prove just to be a little bit too much for the Chippewas. Uh, Northwestern comes out with the victory 22 to seven on Friday afternoon. I think though, Vanzi, you look at the post-game interviews uh, from, from uh, head coach uh, Sarah Tisdale and some of the seniors on this team, even though obviously they would have loved to win this game. I don't think anybody affiliated with this program or on this team is upset with, with the season that they had. Obviously again, their seventh season as a program, their first Mac championship, their first uh, appearance in the NCAA tournament. Obviously you would have liked to win a game in advance i think that might have been a lot to ask for them in this situation here clearly though things are heading in the right direction here the future is bright for this program yeah i, I do think the, the future looks bright for them uh northwestern like we mentioned was one of the you know powerhouse i mean they got to host the uh, the ncaa regional there so they're one of the top uh you know women's lacrosse programs um you know i hope this sport continues to grow it's growing nationally i hope it continues to grow in the mac landscape i know eastern starting a program um you know so maybe we'll get a rivalry you know between them and central um good season for central michigan again it's just tough sometimes when you run into the buzzsaw um which are and in some of these sports these power five 
you know, conference opponents like a Northwestern that is legitimately one of the tops in, uh, in the sport of women's lacrosse. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, this is the, the Chippewas came out and they fought, man, getting towards the end of the first quarter here. It was tied at three. So they hung with Northwestern for a little bit, but the Wildcats kind of hit their stride at that point, went on a, a 12-1 run there uh, to give themselves a 15-4 halftime lead. And then from that point on, never really looked back. The, the, the Chippewas were never able to get it back into single digits there. But uh, Kendall Hoyt, Brennan, Brennan Patty both scored two goals for the Chippewas in this game. Maggie Diebold also scored her program record 65th goal of the season for the Chippewas. So again, their season comes to an end here. But uh, based on the trajectory of the program and, and the way things are going for them, who they have returning, I think the the, the outlook is bright for the future of, uh, of Sarah Tisdale and this Chippewas women's lacrosse program. So congratulations to them on a great season. As MAC fans, we would have loved to see them get a win, but no shame in going out to a team that's won seven national championships in the last 15 years. Uh, Vansy, one more, uh, one more story we wanted to touch on here before we move into, uh, into our weekly baseball breakdown. But, uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that the, uh, the NBA draft lottery was last night. We got the NBA draft coming up here in, uh, in, uh, in June, a little bit over a month from today, Thursday, June 23rd is the NBA draft. And we have uh, a guy in the Mac, Ryan Rollins, who declared a couple of months ago, said he was going to test the waters. At first, it was like, well, we're not sure. Maybe he'll come back and play another year. But Vansy, you see things on Twitter. There's articles being written. It really seems like Ryan Rollins' stock is starting to rise very fast. I've seen a couple, you know, the mock drafts I've looked at still have him like early to middle of second round. But based on some things that I've seen from the NBA draft combine here on Twitter, the last couple of days, I wouldn't be surprised uh, a week or two from now, we see some of these mock drafts with Ryan Rollins getting picked at the end of the first round. Yeah. I think what's interesting is uh, you know, you're seeing second round here with him, um, but there's been first round buzz. And I think some of the guys who, you know, declared for the draft early might've pushed him down, but out of guys who you are seeing rumored in the second round, I don't think there's anyone who's getting, I don't know, not television time, but I'd say more Twitter time. Yeah. You know, um, you and I, you know, we were messaging back and forth a little bit uh, just because I was finding all these different links of videos of, oh, his pro day, oh, his workout, you know, different things, uh, different media heads who were kind of, you know, talking about his game and liking his game. So he's definitely getting a lot of attention at the end of the day. There's only, you know, 30 first round picks. Um, John Hollinger, uh, you know, formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies, the, the analytic guru um, has him rated uh, the 21st best player in the draft. Uh, that's hard to go against. Uh, they had him, uh, it says he had him higher than this, but his defensive tape was a, a disappointment. Mm. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that pulls him down a little bit into draft, but he's getting a lot of love. Um, I, I have been very, you know, concrete and saying he's not coming back. Um, you know, I think that is obviously, you know, looking to be the case now. Um, it is looking more like the NBA for him and less like a, uh, a, a you know, a transfer, um, which was never, you know, which he never entered the portal. He just declared. So, but, uh, you know, he's a big time player. Um, it is hard to, you know, I, I don't really remember another Mac player uh, here real recently who had this much helium. I think Jason Preston, you know, a year ago, 
but I wouldn't say that he was, you know, really kind of a, a first round discussion guy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think he was kind of a feel good story. And I think a lot of people always kind of felt that that was a second round place for him. So, you know, you're talking about Ryan Rollins getting to the uh, NBA draft combine, um, which is televised. I believe, I think it's on ESPNU if anyone wants to check that out here in the coming days, but uh, great for Ryan Rollins. And it just brings me back to, you know, my point that never seems to age you know, how does Toledo have this much talent in no championship to show for it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. I, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, I, most of the mock drafts I've looked at, have had him like early to the middle of the second round. However, uh, I'm looking at uh, a USA today mock draft right now that has him 22nd overall going to Memphis. So um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, there, there's, there's some variability there in what people are thinking. Obviously that's always going to be a pace, but you know, Vansy, I read an article earlier today, and the comparison that was made uh, for Ryan Rollins that I thought was a great comparison was uh, was George Hill, who is the the longtime you know Jerry plays for I believe he plays for Milwaukee now, but he, you know he he spent some time with Indiana, spent some time with San Antonio, kind of a journeyman you know guard, six nine wingspan, uh, hundred eighty pounds, very very similar frame to Ryan Rollins. Ryan Rollins actually though a little bit taller than him. George Hill only six two. Ryan Rollins six four. But because of the that that long wingspan, that long frame, I think that is why I think it, a lot of people are are projecting him to transition well into the NBA. You're right. I agree with your comment about the defense. I think that's something that he's going to have to work on. But I think part of the reason for his stock rising here recently is that he does have the physical attributes to be able to sit, look at him and say, okay, if we can put him in a professional setting with elite coaching, not that he didn't have great coaching at Toledo, but great skill development in a professional program, he can become a better defender and that can become a part of his game. I could easily see this guy going, you know, you know, late first round, early second round for a team that's looking for kind of like a, you know, a a three and D type of guy or something like that. I I really do feel like he's going to carve out a nice little niche for himself in the NBA. He would be Vansy. Here is, uh, here is the, uh, the next question for you. If he gets drafted in the first round, he would be the uh, first player, or or I guess, uh, let me say who, who would be the last Mac player that got drafted in the first round prior to him? Oh, it's uh, I can't say Zerbiak. I mean, it can't be him. Um, oh man, it's as soon as it comes to me, I'm going to be, you know, kicking myself. Um, <laughs> you're right. That, it's not Zerbiak. There's been, there's been one since Wally Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak was the six overall pick in 99. There's been one since then. Holmes was a second rounder out of BGSU. Correct. Um, oh man, I, I, I want to say, why does Ohio stick in my head? I, uh, you're going to have to tell me. Chris Kamen out of out of oh central michigan. i should have known that oh. <laughs> yeah. he was the he was the sixth overall pick back out in 2003 for the clippers um obviously- I, okay so i i am you know 32 years old i was in middle school when chris came and was drafted yeah yeah i mean that, that's a long drought yeah i mean same i mean you're you're i'm, I'm 31 i'm you're right i'm i'm the same deal i remember uh, I remember watching Central Michigan in the NCAA tournament when he played on that, when he played for that team. And I remember seeing him get drafted, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. I was, I mean, man, 2003, I think I must've been, well, I don't know, sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. So yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Uh, he, he has a chance to break a long streak here. There's been, you know, we've had three second round picks since then Rashawn Holmes back in 2015 from Bowling Green, 
Uh, and then, or I'm sorry, two, two second round picks. We had Rashawn Holmes in 2015 and then Jason Preston last year in the second round. So we'll see if, uh, if uh, Ryan Rollins is able to break the almost 20 year streak of, uh, of Mac base uh, basketball players uh, not having been drafted in the first round. We'll see again, Mac, uh, the NBA draft coming up June 23rd. So we got a little bit over a month until that's uh, until that's set to happen here. And, and now with the transfer portal, um, you know, th- there is a chance that Ryan Rollins could get drafted in the first round and he could be the last first round Mac draftee for a long time. Wow. You know, with, with the way trends are going. I mean, it's, you know, it sounds dark to say slightly morbid, but it's cold and rainy here. That's what I'm feeling. You know, I mean, it's, it, it could happen. I didn't even think about that, Vansy, but you're, you're exactly right. I, 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 one of those unintended consequences of the transfer portal, right? Where it's like a guy has a good season, a freshman or a sophomore has a good season in a conference like the Mac, and they might head elsewhere instead of going to the draft. So, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point that you make there. Uh, but so anyway, Ryan Rollins, uh, the, the NBA draft combine going on right now over the course of the, the rest of this week and into this weekend. So I'm sure uh, his performance there will have a, a, um, a strong direct effect on his stock here as we enter the last month. Uh, in the lead up to the draft. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, Vansy. So to uh, to close out the show here this week, uh, it is the last week of the regular season in Mac baseball, and there is a lot to still be determined here. A lot to play for here, Vansy, for these teams at the top of the conference. Um, let's uh, before we get into the standings or anything like that. Let's uh, let's take a look at the, the the week that was the results from this past weekend. We had some big uh, some big series for teams that are fighting for position here. We had uh, Central Michigan; they swept four from Eastern Michigan. Miami sweeps four from Akron. Uh, Toledo takes three of four from Northern Illinois. Kent State takes three of four from Western Michigan. Ball State and Ohio actually split four in Muncie. A big uh, a big result uh, this weekend for the Bobcats who are fighting uh, for for qualification for the MAC tournament here coming up next week. And then Rutgers uh, swept Bowling Green. Bowling Green, the the one team stepping out of conference this week. That was originally a three game series with uh, with one game uh, getting canceled. But so uh, so Vansy. Um, with, with, uh, with four games left here, uh, this, this weekend. So central Michigan here for, let's start with at the top central Michigan has retaken first place after ball state ended up, you know, splitting that four game series with Ohio and central Michigan got the sweep. So now we have central Michigan sitting at 28 and six ball state sitting at 28 and seven, obviously, uh, cancellations and some other things have, have affected that there. So there's, these teams are not going to end the season having played the same amount of games, but, uh, but half a game essentially separates these two right now at the top of the standings, central Michigan taking on Toledo this weekend, which is a big, uh, a big series. And then ball state taking on Miami, also a big series. So neither one of these two teams in this last weekend, Vansy, central Michigan and ball state, they're both playing teams that are also fighting for their lives, right? Toledo and Miami, 
are uh, are three of the four teams that are still uh, eligible and able to qualify for the MAC tournament. Again, we talked about in previous weeks. Only the top four teams get the invite to the tournament. Toledo currently in third, Miami currently in fifth. Both of these teams have everything to play for here, Vanzi. Uh, what do you, what do you think about that? Do do you feel like Central Michigan is going to end up on top here, or do you feel like Toledo and Miami are going to be battling hard enough that they they both might steal a game or two this weekend? Well, I I, th- I think when you look at, it, I mean, there's well, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, you know, I think last week when we came into it, just going over my notes last week, coming into it, I said, man, some of these schools have to win, you know, have to sweep or take three out of four. And I was talking about Miami. Well, Miami swept Akron Toledo, yeah. you know, Toledo took three out of four. Kent state took three out of four, you know, and, and, uh, bad performances from EMU and in, uh, in Western, which really kind of makes it where you can write them off. Uh, but then ball state and Ohio split and central swept, EMU so now central is you know back on top of the standings you yeah. know so I think when you look at that I mean it is just uh just a hodgepodge right now um and really has added to the intrigue of this uh the final week of the the MAC baseball uh regular season I don't want to forget the tournament um I think when you look at it though these games coming up here this weekend um you know man that's that's I mean probably short of the ball state central Michigan series early on this season, I got to say Toledo central Michigan might be one of the, the most intriguing series um, that we've seen in a while. And then Miami's hot and they play ball state. So, um, you know, I think if you're, if you're Toledo, I think if you're Miami, you know, obviously you want to get as many wins as you can, but I think if you come out of these series with the series split, um, you're going to be feeling pretty good. Um, Central's won five in a row, but uh, you know EMU's trending downward. Um, man, it's it's going to be another intriguing week of MAC baseball. Yeah, sir, it certainly is. And let's let's start. Let's talk about that Central Michigan Toledo series a little bit because um, Toledo quietly has been playing very very well lately, and it's been on the back of of their pitching. I mean, this uh, this past weekend against Northern Illinois, they they, they won those last three games. Uh, against Northern Illinois by a combined score of 25 to four gave up, uh, you know, one run in uh, the game on Sunday and and three runs in the second game on, uh, on Friday uh, and Friday's doubleheader. And then they 10 run them and didn't give up any runs on Saturday. So this, uh, this Toledo pitching staff, actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, whenever ball state and, and central Michigan were playing, we talked about how those two teams had the top two pitching staffs statistically in the Mac. But now if you look at it, by ERA, uh, by by um, by a number of other metrics here, strikeouts, some other things. Toledo actually does have the best pitching staff in the MAC right now, statistically. And so you have Toledo, who has the best ERA in the MAC, going up against Central Michigan, who is the best offense going away in the MAC. They've scored at least forty-five more runs than every other team in the conference. They have the best batting average in the conference. So it's really one of those cases, Vansy, where this is strength on strength here. Toledo, uh, the Toledo pitching staff against the Central Michigan uh, offense. The thing that scares me if I'm a Toledo fan is you got to go up to Mount Pleasant, Central Michigan, 17 and one at home this year. You got to think though, Toledo right now sitting in third place at 22 and 14. You got to think Toledo, you know, even if they can steal one game here, you'd like to think they'll probably tie up a bid to the conference tournament. 
Yeah, I feel I oh, I don't really want to say that I feel real good about Toledo standings because I said that about EMU and it, I mean I I hope none of them listen, but it completely changed their season. But yeah, I, I feel pretty good about uh, you know Toledo and and where they're at. I I feel um, strongly, knock on wood, that Toledo's probably the third best uh, program in the MAC. And I want to give some credit where credit is due. I mean that was a program that was kind of down and forgotten. And uh, they made a coaching change, I believe, right before COVID. And it really took some time for it to kind of, you know, gain some ground because uh, and because of COVID and, and all of that. Um, and, and they've really improved uh, since that moment. There's been some talks of uh, a new baseball stadium because right now theirs are, uh, their stadium is Scott Park, which is off campus. Uh, they do play a game a year at the Mud Hen Stadium. So it's a program that's becoming reinvigorated and uh you know, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about them uh, in the same breath, like, kind of how we talk about Central Michigan and uh, the improvement Central Michigan's made. It wouldn't surprise me if we talk about Toledo in that same light here in a couple of years. Yeah, you're right about that. I agree. And uh, you are correct about the coach there. Rob Reinstettle, uh was named the head coach there in, in at, before the 2020 season. So only got to play a handful of games there in 2020 before things got shut down. Uh, so certainly it does seem like they're making some solid progress here uh, in, in their third season uh, with Ryan Stowe at the helm. Now, the other the other two series that really intrigue me this weekend, Vanzi, that really have a um, that really have, a, you know, a, a big say on on, you know, the, the outcome of the final standings and who's going to make it uh, to the conference tournament is we got. Um, again, Ohio taking on Western Michigan at home based on the way Western Michigan's playing right now. The, 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 um, the Broncos currently sitting 14 and 21 in the Mac, and they had an opportunity last week to, you know, perhaps, uh, make a statement and move up a little bit, uh, in the standings. They took on Kent state. Unfortunately they, for them, they did lose three of those four games. So, uh, that's kind of set them back in the standings. They don't have a ton to play for now. So you have Ohio. Uh, with everything to play for, taking on Western Michigan. And then Miami. Miami, to me, this is the one of the other – this might be the most interesting matchup of the of the weekend along there with Toledo, Central Michigan. You got Miami at home taking on Ball State. Ball State fighting for the one seed. Miami fighting to get into the tournament. Miami right now sitting in fifth. They're at a little bit of a disadvantage here, Vansy, because they've played four additional games um, over Ohio. So Ohio certainly currently in fourth place at 18 and 14 Miami in fifth place at 18 and 18 so if Ohio hypothetically were to get swept and finish up at 18 and 18 uh, Miami would need to win two games and then the tiebreaker situation would come in because both teams would be 500 but what do you think there my Vansy in this matchup Ball State and uh, and Miami I think these are two strong pitching staffs Ball State third in the conference in ERA Miami right behind them at fourth Ball State uh, a little bit of a better offense, Miami, right there in the middle of the pack in the MAC. I do, I don't know, Manzi. I, th- I feel like this uh, the, the scheduling quirk of having these games canceled might come back to bite Miami a little bit here, given that they got this tough series at the end of the season. They got to go in hoping to at least split this series. They'd love to obviously win all four. I don't know. What do you think here, Vanzi? Do you think Miami has a chance to jump up into that four spot? Or do you think Ohio, given the matchups this weekend, given the position in the standings currently, do you think Ohio's got the inside track there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Miami, they swept four from Akron. That's Akron, um, you know, but Ball State isn't playing their best baseball right now. They split the series with Ohio. 
but I still, I think Miami's going to be, you know, I mean, what you're, you're going to be hard pressed to win three or four games against ball state. Yeah. You know, and I think when you look at Ohio and both Miami and Ohio host these series, but I think when you look at Ohio, Ohio playing Western Michigan, I I think that would be kind of the one where I'm saying, boy, they got a a legitimate shot at uh, at three games or or potential sweep there. Um, Also though, if you're Ohio baseball, you know, I mean, how much are are you talking to, to your players and saying, Hey, a good week this weekend, and you get to keep your arch rival Miami out of the, uh, you know, the, the conference tournament. Great point. You know, I mean, tremendous motivation right there on that one. Um, you know, and I love these matchups that we're getting this final week. I mean, it's all kind of come together uh, to make for some intriguing baseball. But I, I just, I think Western Michigan's trending the wrong way. I think Ohio is going to be in the catbird seat. Um, compared to Miami's tough, uh, tough schedule against Ball State. Yeah, certainly. And you know, um, I think it's it's almost like it, it's almost like the Mac set this up perfectly, right? Where it's like you have these intriguing matchups on the last weekend of the season that have some serious implications. So obviously, uh, by this time next week when we sit down, the the, the field will be set. And we will have uh, a full breakdown of, of the conference tournament coming up next week for you on uh, on next week's show. Um, take a look at uh, the rest of the standings, though, here uh, beyond uh, beyond the top five, or I guess top six, I should say, with Kent State sitting at 16 and 18. Uh, you got Kent State there in sixth, Eastern Michigan in seventh, Western in eighth, and then Bowling Green, NIU, and Akron rounding out the, the bottom of the standings. Vanzi, I wanted to ask you uh, your, your thoughts on Eastern Michigan here as, as they wind their season down. Obviously, you rewind us, you know, a month, maybe six weeks. They were sitting up there in third place. Things were, uh, it seems like things were, were, were looking up for Eric Roof's squad. They hit a couple rough patches here over the last month or so. But I still feel like it, it, it seems to me, based on our conversations and based on things I've seen on Twitter, it seems like the program is trending in the correct direction and the, the an arrow is trending upward. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, I know you got one more series this year, but looking into the future, what, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the, the way this program is positioned right now? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, and it's hard to say when you're talking about college baseball, but I think one of the things that should be noted is that they uh, have continued to have uh, tremendous uh, uh, recruiting classes, especially uh, in in regards to the pitching staff. Um, You know, and the other thing is I think they're going to probably have, I would say, at least two uh, MLB draft picks. That's my guess. Uh, you know, so it's a talented squad, just couldn't put it together. They kind of had their hot streak at early on in the season and then uh, came down to earth a little bit. And uh, shame on me for, you know, kind of glossing over the schedule um, somewhat in, in not seeing that the schedule would come back around as far as toughness and kind of catch up to them. Um, they've also left some some opportunities to Ohio series. They had an opportunity to win a couple more games there and kind of kind of faltered. Um, I don't, I don't foresee a change. I think, uh, you know, and and also at EMU, I mean, you know, you're probably not going to see any contracts bought out or anything of that nature, you know? So I think that's, that's a good sign for the program. You're going to have stability um, would be my guess moving forward. And, uh, and, you know, I think with the way the recruiting classes are going, I think that's a a good thing to see, Um, you know, and it, it just, 
this is a prideful program. I mean, Eastern Michigan made the uh, the College World Series, you know, uh, with, with Terry Collins, Bob Welch, and some of those guys back in the day. Um, so baseball means a lot at EMU, and uh, I, I think they'll get it turned around, um, just obviously not this year. Yeah, and I think I, I, I would tend to agree with you. It does seem like uh, things are trending up for them there in Ypsilanti. So um, break, quick breakdown of the last weekend of, uh, of the season here, the matchups here. So most of these we already mentioned, but just to run through them one more time for you folks at home. Uh, Toledo traveling up, traveling up to Mount Pleasant to take on Central Michigan. Toledo looking to win a game or two there and uh, lock up their, their place in the, in the MAC tournament. Uh, Western Michigan travels to Ohio. Ohio there, same thing, looking to solidify their, their hold on fourth place. Uh, probably if I, I would imagine they're hoping for a sweep there over the Broncos ball state travels to Miami, Miami on the outside looking in right now, but certainly with a chance to move into that fourth spot over Ohio, if they can take a couple games from ball state. Eastern Michigan travels down the road to Kent to take on the golden flashes. Bowling green will take on Northern Illinois in DeKalb and uh, Akron is the uh, non-conference team this weekend, taking on the Mastodons of Purdue Fort Wayne there in Akron. Uh, so uh, last, last weekend of the regular season here in, um, in, in college baseball. And then next week we'll have the conference tournament week after that, we'll have the NCAA tournament selections and all that good stuff. So uh, a lot to look forward to here over these next couple weeks. If you are a college baseball fan, Vansy, uh, that'll wrap it up for us here tonight. Uh, any any words of wisdom for the people here? Any final thoughts for the good of the group? Yeah, not really sports related, but uh, I kind of had this observation today. And, you know, let, let's just stay positive. I mean, everything's inflated cost-wise. Uh, you know, COVID's making another run at comeback player of the year. You know, the, the news and just everything is gloomy. And, uh, you know, let's just stay positive and uh, enjoy some nicer weather, enjoy some Mac baseball, um, enjoy, you know, maybe some barbecue, you know, things of that nature. So just stay positive, um, you know, and, and stay happy. It's a great message there, Vansy, an uplifting message to uh, close out the show here this week, episode 97 of the Mid-American Bandwagon, folks. Uh, thank you, as always, for stopping by. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I am Zach Polidor. He is Zach Banuenzi. We will see you again next week here on the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Have a great weekend, a great week ahead, and we'll talk to you next week, folks. Mm-hmm.